filling in for a guide from the Galapagos Second Ward Alderman Brian Hopkins. I bet you've never been introduced that way. No, that is a first for me, without a doubt. <laughs> well, uh, this is kind of crazy, this uh, campaign uh, for mayor. There are nine people in the campaign, and uh, aldermen have kind of split off. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of endorsing this one. I'm kind of endorsing this one. Interesting to me, Alderman Hopkins, second ward alderman, that I don't know of a lot of uh, aldermen that are endorsing Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, there are some, but not as many as you might have thought several years ago. Yeah, that is interesting, especially if you look at the history of aldermanic involvement in mayoral races. Uh, it heavily skews towards supporting the incumbent mayor. Uh, that goes back decades, you know, probably going back to the, the days of Richard J. Daly, even in the 60s. And, uh, you know, even though things have changed dramatically since then and our, our system of government is, uh, has been reformed and patronage is no longer um, you know, the fuel that drives everything. One thing that's remained constant is whoever occupies that big chair on the fifth floor of City Hall has a tremendous amount of sway over the fate of aldermen. You know, we can get projects in our wards. We can uh, get our streets plowed more rapidly, all sorts of things. You know, we're sort of dependent on being in the good graces of whoever the mayor is. So that's never more prominent than during an election period when you know if you pick the wrong horse and a different person wins that mayoral office, they, they might have a long memory. And as an incumbent alderman, you might pay a price. So you're exactly right, Steve. It's notable that so few aldermen have endorsed this incumbent mayor. And I think, you know, the reason for that is uh, what we all know, you know, from day one, we've uh, we've seen her just lack the ability um, to get along and, and to form coalitions and, uh, you know, and, and to meet people where they are. That's just not her style. And she's paying a price for that now. Hmm. Uh, we were talking to Brandon Johnson a, a little while ago and powerful, a veteran alderwoman, Pat Dowell, just endorsed him. And she has been an ally of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You just made an endorsement as well. I did, yes. And uh, and you're right, my colleague, uh, Alderwoman Dow, who uh, happens to be my seatmate, uh, so the, the two of us talk, and uh, we both talked during the city council meeting, uh, and you know, she asked me, are you ready to go? And I said, yep, are you? And she said, yep. <laughs> so we uh, we both had advance notice uh, that we were going to come out on, on different sides um, in, in as far as the mayoral endorsement. But what's notable, again, is he is on Team Lightfoot. She is the budget chair. Yeah. That is absolutely unprecedented that the mayor's hand-picked budget chair, which is such a key position, would not endorse that incumbent mayor uh, seeking another term. I don't know that that's ever happened before. And Alderwoman Dowell comes to her position honestly. Um, you know, she's not a political operative. She really isn't. She's a policy-oriented person. She's done an amazing job in her role as chairing the budget. She takes it very seriously. And her disagreement with the mayor uh, is really not personality-based, although, you know, like all of us, she's been on the uh, receiving end of the mayor's wrath, and that doesn't sit well. But her dispute with the mayor solely involves the mayor's approach to budgeting and how it's conflicted with some of the things that Alderwoman Dahl would like to prioritize. So that's a genuine disagreement over the future of the city. 
Uh, and I thought it was a courageous and brave thing for Alderwoman Dahl to do, uh, which is to endorse a challenger to the woman who literally gave her her key job as budget chair. Well, you did something similar. You just had a different choice, correct? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't similar in the sense that I am not on Team Lightfoot. I, I have literally nothing to lose. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot can't take something away from me as punishment because she's never given me anything. Um, <laughs> and it's been, it's been very difficult uh, to manage my ward um, with this current administration because, you know, being a, a strong critic of the mayor, uh, when I need to get something done, you know, if, if the fifth floor uh, can stymie my efforts, they will. You know, uh, so I've had to contend with that, and um, and it's it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I had a little taste of that under uh, Mayor Emanuel when I voted against his first budget, and he let it be known, uh, you know, his his caustic style, which actually was very effective. In, in hindsight, you have to tip your hat to him, but that budget was so important to him. There were a handful of us who were ostensibly his allies. And he let it be known that if we went against him on this, you know, he would find ways to make us pay a price. And, you know, he did. He <laughs> he made good on his threat. It was uh, for about six months. Um, I had a difficult time uh, as an alderman getting certain things done. You know, the message was received, you know, sort of a, a way to keep your supporters uh, from going rogue, if you will. And uh, I didn't like it back then, but that was only, a, you know, a small part of, of Mayor Emanuel's term. After that, you know, I, I worked pretty well with him, and, you know, he made his point, and then we both moved on. In this particular case, I just have not uh, been able to work with Mayor Lightfoot, I, you know, and I voted on some key points that she wanted, but I did it because I thought it was the right thing to do, not because she was asking me for a favor, um, but I, I voted against all her budgets, and, uh, you know, she's, she's let it be known. She's not happy about that. I voted against the casino, um, I didn't support the NASCAR plan, and uh, these are all things that she felt was important. Um, and is her uh, her famous quote, uh, which uh, was picked up by the the media a few years ago: "If you don't vote for this budget, don't come for me for you know expletive deleted." Um, that's been her style of government, and uh, it's it's not a very effective style of leadership. Second Ward Alderman Brian Hopkins is here. He might have you were sitting right over there. I'm pointing to that seat. Over there, Alderman Hopkins, and you you told me, you kind of made news. You said, I may run for mayor. I am particularly interested if Alderman Tom Tunney decides not to run. Well, Tom Tunney did decide not to run, and here I am talking to you uh, as a continued alderman, because I don't think you have much competition there in the second word, but nevertheless, you decided not to run. I'm curious as to why. Yeah, and that's a fair question. Uh, you know, Alderman Tunney and I, now that it's all been uh, resolved and it's a moot point, I can reveal, uh, Alderman Tunney and I had made an agreement way back in July of 2022. Uh, we decided that only one of us could really seek the mayoral's office. If both of us did, you know, two Northside aldermen from, you know, generally the same area, um, it, it just wouldn't work. So it had to be one or the other. And in that conversation, I readily agree to yield to him, allow him to have the right of first refusal, if you will, and, and make his decision um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, he seemed to really want it more than I did. You know, he was retiring anyway, so it was kind of a risk-free roll of the dice for him. Um, you know, we said, look, if you run for mayor and you don't win, you are going to retire anyway. You know, so no big deal. 
Um, and if you do win, you know, you can accomplish all the things that you set out to accomplish in the course of your political career. So it, it made sense for him to, uh, to make that decision first. Um, the only thing I did ask of him was uh, if he chose not to run, I asked him to, to tell me right away to, you know, make, make my phone call the first one uh, so that I could decide at that point if I was going to jump in the race. And when you and I had that conversation, Steve, he was still very much undecided. And, you know, we had talked regularly since that July conversation. You know, one day he'd be leaning towards running, and then I'd talk to him a week later and he'd be leaning against running. So he was really sort of going through a personal analysis of whether it was something he really felt he was up for, for the fight and it was something that he wanted to do or not. And I waited patiently. Uh, and when he finally decided he wasn't going to run, uh, and he called to tell me that it was just too late. You know, there was no time to put together uh, a credible mayoral campaign. If he would have uh, made his decision, you know, probably a month sooner, I, I think I would have jumped in, actually. Um, but by the time he said no, it just it wasn't in the cards for him. And, you know, frankly, he was looking forward to a peaceful retirement. And you look at this race right now, it is anything but peaceful. You know, this is you, you really have to take a deep breath before you decide to jump into a pool like that, you know, because um, it's getting ugly right now. You know, the accusations are flying. We're in the final weeks of the first round, and, you know, the gloves are off. So it's not something you could enter into unless you have your eyes fully open. And so I respected his decision when he said, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just not up for it right now. Um, but by then it was really too late uh, for me to decide to run. So I, I decided I would seek reelection. Um, as an alderman, and uh, very fortunately, I, I don't have an opponent at this time, so um, it looks like I will get another term for sure. I'm thinking you will, uh, since there's no one running against you. Uh, a couple of texts here. Uh, one is uh, saying that uh, lives in Tom Tunney's ward, and apparently Tunney did have uh, a petition out uh, in case he did decide to run for mayor so he would get signatures, at least according to this texter, who signed that petition and is complaining, even though I signed it, I get no discount to Ann Sather's, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is his restaurant. Yeah. All right, so both you and Alderman Tunney happened to recently say, we're getting to this finally, that I endorse a candidate. Both you and Alderman Tunney, as it happens, endorse the same candidate. Talk about it. Yeah, well, frankly, that was the reason we were both seriously considering a run for mayor for those months that we were having those conversations about who it's going to be is because we both came to the conclusion, independently of each other, um, that this mayor has just failed. This is a failed mayoral administration. This is what that looks like. She has not been able to accomplish any key legislative victories other than passing some deeply flawed budgets, in my opinion. Her leadership style is just not what the city needs right now. You know, we have out-of-control crime on the streets, and she has no answer for that. We just both agreed we need a new mayor. We need new leadership, um, and we made this decision to endorse Paul Vallis completely independent of each other. I hadn't talked to him for, uh, for a couple of weeks, um, but we both agree that Paul Vallis has a safety plan to reform the police department, to add uh, patrol officers, to staff up to that 13,500 level that we think is necessary. And by the way, he's the only candidate who's providing that specific number. All the others are sort of avoiding the question. But when you ask Paul Vallis, how many police officers do we need? He says 13,500. That's what our department is set up to have. 
That's what the 911 calls for service indicate we should have. He's committed to doing that. So um, I think he's offering a lot right now. He's, he's answering the questions with the right answers. Um, and I think other aldermen are probably going to be endorsing him as well in the coming weeks. It won't just be myself and Alderman Tunney. Um, there's a couple others that are uh, seriously looking at coming out in favor of him even before the runoff. Does this have something to do with it? So I look out the window from where I'm now standing uh, just off Michigan Avenue, Wacker Drive, and I can see your ward clearly. Uh, and your ward is filled with small businesses. Tom Tunney is a small businessman himself in addition to his ward. Every ward in the city, of course, we want small businesses everywhere. Uh, does the mayor not completely get what small businesses need and Paul Vallis better understand what Paul uh, small businesses need? Yes, I, I would argue that as well. Um, businesses small and large, as a matter of fact. You know, I, I think our, overall our economic climate uh, has suffered significantly under this administration. She's got a few small victories she could point to, you know, attracting Google to the Thompson Center. There's a few other things. Um, you know, it's, it's not a complete disaster. But she hasn't focused on attracting the types of corporate relocations that we took for granted for eight years. Chicago led the country in corporate relocations, we netted out every year with a significantly higher number of new jobs, good-paying jobs with decent salaries, uh, and, and that's over. You know, And now that we're starting to see some post-pandemic growth, even other cities in the Midwest are passing us, uh, and, and that's just unacceptable. So um, Paul Vallis has a plan to turn the economy around. It, it, yes, it does have a, a deep emphasis on small business because they remain a driver of growth but it will also feature a return to large corporations who can call Chicago their headquarters and bring the kind of jobs and economic development that we have taken for granted for so long. Absolutely. Uh, one thing Lori Lightfoot said when she ran for office, and I, to a great degree, you know this better than I, I would suggest that she succeeded, but I'm not sure that was a good thing for Chicago. And here's what I'm talking about. To She said, take aldermanic privilege away. And while I understand the grander, big issue of, of aldermen not making some decisions, I happen to know that even stop signs, I mean, things that you know because you live in that ward, maybe across the street from where that stop sign should be, or whatever it is, it's hard to get anything as an alderman done with the current administration Things that, okay, maybe aldermen shouldn't do some things, but there should be a happy medium somewhere. I'm not necessarily explaining my question that well. Hopefully you get the gist of it. I do, and it's an easy thing to do to point the finger at the system and say, well, look, here's a bad decision that an alderman made somewhere. I mean, we all know it's no shortage of opportunities to do that. You've got 50 aldermen, you know, over the course of, time, a lot of them have made bad decisions. A lot of them have made decisions that uh, were not grounded in integrity. There's no disputing that. But that doesn't mean that taking the decision-making authority away from aldermen and giving it to a mayor is somehow a guarantee that only good decisions will be made from that point forward. And only decisions made with the highest of ethical standards would be made from that point forward. I would argue that the evidence uh, on the casino issue, which is probably her biggest decision that she's made in four years as mayor, there's an ethical cloud that surrounds that right now that is only starting to come to light. So there's no guarantee 
that if you take these legislative judgment calls away from the alderman and give them to the mayor, you know, somehow it's, it's only going to be roses and rainbows from that point forward. It's utter nonsense. The fact of the matter is we have a complex society. Our elected leaders are constantly faced with dilemmas, with difficult decisions. We're all going to get them right sometimes. We're all going to get them wrong sometimes. But to take those local decisions away from the local elected officials and claim it's some, somehow going to make things better is just nonsense. It's not based in reality. And I believe that as aldermen, um, we're the most accountable. You know, we're held to a higher standard by our neighbors because they see us. They know what we're doing. You, you really can't hide at the aldermanic level. If something isn't getting done, everybody in the neighborhood sees it. So we have an extra measure of accountability that saves someone who is not elected working inside the bureaucracy of City Hall in, in making that decision. You'll never know who they are. You won't even know their name. Alderman, so Alderman is issued. I'm, I'm interrupting you because we have less than a minute here, and I don't want to bury the lead. You said ethical All issue right. as far as the casino. Quickly, what is that? Well, you just look at the amount of campaign contributions that are coming in right now from casino insiders. And also look at the way the decision was made. It was announced uh, like 48 hours after the mayor said she hadn't made a decision. Uh, that it was still being evaluated by the city council's committee, which I was on, by the way, uh, and she denied that she had made a decision, and yet we know the CEO of Bally's was, had already purchased his plane ticket. He was on his way to Chicago. So this was clearly a backroom decision uh, that was made behind closed doors, outside of the lens of transparency, uh, and it, I believe it was made for, you know, like I said, reasons that are only now starting to come to light. It clearly was not in the best interest of the city of Chicago. So that leads us to ask, whose interest was it in? Um, and I think that story is, is only now developing. Yeah, well, now it is. You just talked about it. Uh, Second yep. Ward Alderman Brian Hopkins, good to talk to you. Thank you so much.